Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them over to Genesis chapter 35, and um, we're going to continue on in this study. I'm not going to do anything really different. I feel like the Lord, I prayed about it. Should I preach on something? We'll, we'll probably do that Wednesday night. We'll give the guys a break, the husbands a break. This last Wednesday, we uh, preached the first part of, of the husband's part in the family. Uh, we'll probably take a break uh, this, this Tuesday and uh, look at just gratitude and stuff like that. So, uh, but then we'll get back on the guys after that. No. <laughs> um, but we're going through this study. Many of you already know what we're doing, but we have got guests and we've got people who, who aren't maybe necessarily familiar with what we're doing. We're going through a study entitled Life, and what we're looking at is the life of Joseph, actually. Uh, we're looking at his lineage, his family, his background, and then we'll eventually get to his life and kind of examine his life and, and what he did in his life and how God used him. And then we'll kind of look at his legacy at the end of the study. But uh, we've been looking at his lineage for many weeks now, many mo- a couple months, a few months, and um, been sp- uh, primarily looking at Jacob, which is Joseph's father. And we have learned so many life lessons from him, his family, uh, his decisions, how he's lived his life, the things he's not done, uh, so many different things. And last week wasn't anything different. Uh, I do want to look at Genesis chapter 35, verse 4, just to kind of remind you, refresh your memory, because... Many of you are here when we talked about how quickly we forget things, right? Anybody remember those stats? Amen. See? That's the point right there. Um, There's somewhere in the notes, I'm sure. But uh, just to remind you of some of the things that we talked about last, last week, verse 4 says this, And they gave unto Jacob all their strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. Now, If you've not been here, you have no idea what this means. Basically, Jacob and his family were there in this place called Shechem. There's some tragedy that has happened. His sons had exacted revenge. They shouldn't have exacted uh, without God commanding them to do that. Um, And they've been in this place, and they've been accumulating false idols. They've been accumulating false gods for themselves. They're completely not where God wants them. They're not where they should be spiritually. And so God speaks to Jacob once again, and he says, Listen, you need to get to Bethel, which Bethel means... The place of God. It's a place that Jacob dedicated before when God met with him the first time and he saw the, the ladder, uh, Jacob's ladder, what we call Jacob's ladder. And so, um, so God says, You need to get back there. That's the place you dedicated to me. That's the place where you left. That's the place where you should be. And uh, so he tells his sons and his, and his family, You need to get rid of all the false gods that are in your life. You need to get rid of all the things that have hold of you or you have hold of as well in your life and so it says that they did that they gave all the the false gods the strange gods that were in their hands all the things that were uh that had them identified with that land of shechem and uh and so he says you know what we're done with this we're getting rid of these things bears them under the oak tree point we saw last week was this intent is not action or intent is not a substitute for action and the reason why we looked at that is because uh, we, we do some of the things that, that they could have done. And that is, instead of actually giving those false gods over to Jacob and surrendering those things, contr- the, the control of those things in their life, they could have said, listen, we're going to hang on to these false gods. We just won't worship them like we did before. Or we're, we're gonna, we'll pack them away and we won't worship them like we were worshiping them and so we can, we can do the same thing sometimes. I think that we can see what God wants us to do. It's clear in his word. The message is clear. The Bible study is clear. Whatever the case may be. And we say, you know, I should probably do this because God's word says this. You know what? I'll just do this instead of that. And we have this good intention to do what God wants us to do, but we don't actually do it. And so we have to understand that's no substitute for actually doing what God wants us to do. Whether it's getting rid of sin in our life or whether it's actually taking a step of faith and obedience, and we'll talk about that this morning. Um, again, so many people are trying to move forward in the blessing of God. So many people are trying to move forward in, in being used of God even with this intention to obey, but they don't actually obey. Or maybe there's an obedience, but it's a convenient obedience or it's a partial obedience. Well, I'm there. I'm just not all the way there. 
So many people are trying to serve God half-heartedly, and that's not what pleases God. That's not what God's looking for. He's not looking for a half-hearted commitment. He's not looking for a half-hearted devotion. But many people try to do this while they're still holding on to false gods, while they're still holding on to false gods like money and jobs and entertainment and sports and security and future security and possessions and, and, and friends and social media and, and all kinds of things are, are, are hold, uh, holding on our lives. And it's keeping us from serving God with our all. And the question that I asked was, does God not deserve our all? Does God not deserve our all? One of the questions that I asked last week is this, is, is a game or a sport or a, a, a job or, or anything more important than worshiping the Savior that saved your soul? Is anything. We live in a culture, in, in a church culture, that has, has diminished the, the, the value and, 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 and the, 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 the uh, the specialness of what we're doing right now. It's become more of, a, of, a, of an entertainment time. It's become more of a, well, what am I going to get out of the church service than actually the people of God gathering as the people of God to worship Him as their God. To, to not only do that, but also to minister one to another, to, to use spiritual gifts to edify one another so that the head, which is Christ, is glorified. We've taken away from what the Bible says we're actually supposed to be doing, and it's become more about, I don't know if I know I'm going to go today because I don't really feel like or I've got this to do. Is there anything more important than worshiping the God who saved your soul? And if it was the most important thing in your life, and it was the most important, if he was the most important person in your life, you would not miss not one opportunity if it was in your power to miss. And when we do, then we have to ask ourselves those questions. Is, is there something that has hold of my heart other than God himself? Does, does he not deserve that type of question? A God who would love you so much to send his son to die in your place so that you would never have to pay for the sins that you committed? He deserves our all. He deserves our everything. question I asked last week as well, as well as this, could you serve God more? And if you could, what's the barrier? What's keeping you from serving God more? And more may not be more things or more tasks or more ways, but maybe it's the nature. Maybe it's the heart in which you're serving God. Maybe you've been serving God for years, and you've been faithful to serve God for years, but, but the, 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 the thing that you've run into now in your life, in your Christian walk, and in your service to God is that you've lost the passion and the joy in serving God. So is that the more? Could you serve God more? Could you serve him better? Could, you, could it be with more joy? Again, we've asked the questions, you know, maybe it's fear, maybe it's time, maybe it's that you're too busy, maybe there's too many things that are crowding out the joy and the passion for God. Maybe there's other things in this world that have come in and they've grabbed your affection, they've grabbed your energy, they've grabbed your focus, they've grabbed all these things that don't deserve those things like God does. Is there anything that keeps you from serving God that's more important than the kingdom of God itself? Think about that. Is there anything that keeps you from serving God more or better, more or better, that's more important than the kingdom of God? Again, intent is not action. Intent is not action. The children of Israel were charged to do this, to take action, to do something, and that's what they did. They had to take action. Uh, and, and so we're, this morning we're going to move forward and look at this, this, uh, what this looks like or how it's supposed to be applied in our life and see what God has for us as we move forward. So let's pray and we'll do that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for allowing us to be here. God, we are humbled that, again, we can be your children, that we can call in your name because there's not a person here, there's not a tongue in this, in this place right now that's worthy to even utter your name. But by your grace and your mercy, you wash us and you make us your own. You redeem us. And we become, as it's already said this morning, your sons and daughters. That we can have access boldly to your throne right now together. We can talk to you and you're listening. God, that's an, a, a phenomenal thing. God, the, the music and the words that we've sung today and thanks and in remembrance of who you are and what you've done, uh, God, is, is just a small token. It's just a very small thing of what you actually deserve. And so, God, I pray that we would never get tired that we would spend the rest of our days in the, on this earth worshiping you and praising you and serving you 
with our all. And this morning, as your word is preached, I pray that you would uh, just set me aside and use me as a vessel. I want you to be exalted, you, you to be honored. I want your word to go out. And I want the message that is from your heart uh, to pierce every single one of our hearts here, including mine. And I pray that uh, you would just be glorified through this. If there's somebody here that doesn't have that special relationship with you, Lord, they don't have a personal relationship with you, they've never surrendered their life to you. Lord, if they were to have to answer this question, where they would spend eternity, if they were to die right now, they couldn't answer it for sure. But if there's somebody like that, I pray before they leave today, they will make sure that heaven's going to be their, their heavenly home, their eternal home. Lord, that they wouldn't question it anymore. Lord, just move now, be exalted, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember again, it wasn't until they actually acted. It wasn't until they purged the idolatry that they actually could go where God wanted them to go, to, to be where God wanted them to be. Think about that. They, they couldn't move forward. There, no, there was nowhere for them to go to, to, to be where God wanted them to be until they acted in faith of purging the things that were weighting them down. It makes me think of Hebrews where it says this, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us. There's things that, that sometimes we accumulate in our lives that hold us back and weigh us down from being where God wants us to be and experiencing what God wants us to experience as his children. And so when we, we look at our lives and we say, man, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily feel like I'm real close to God. I don't feel like I'm really being used of God. I don't feel like I'm walking with God. I, if somebody were asking me, do you feel like that you're being fulfilled in your relationship with God? I would have to say no. If that's you, then you have to at some point at some point, whether it's in this service or sometime in your life, you have to ask, what's keeping me from that? What's holding me back? Maybe it's self. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's pride. Or maybe it's one of those other things that we've already talked about. But we have to understand it wasn't until they were purged of the idolatry, purged of the strange gods, until they could, before they could be where God wanted them to be. And so in verse 5 in our text, Look what happens. After they gave their, their, their strange gods to Jacob, they journeyed. They journeyed. They actually picked up their lives, and they went to where God said they were supposed to go. And the terror of, listen to this, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. Now, I, I love that because many of us uh, in here, if, you, if you've uh, study the Bible, you know the story of, uh, of the children of Israel going into captivity. Eventually, that's what would happen. They'd go into captivity in Egypt, and God would lead them out. And he would part the, the, part the Red Sea, and they would go through. There would be a pillar of fire uh, by night, and there would be a cloud by day that would guide them and protect them. And God, God kept his hand around them and provided them for everything. And right here, we see a, a precursor to all that. God says, get rid of the junk, let go of the bondage, leave the, leave the bondage, leave the idolatry, get rid of all of those things, and get going to where I want you to go. So when they let go of those things, and let go of the idolatry, let go of the, the bondage they were in, and they start moving, look what God does. God does something they could not have done themselves. God struck fear, terror, there, 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 was, there was fear in all of the cities around about them that as Israel moved to Bethel, nobody went after them. None, none of the barbarians, none of the warriors, none of the other uh, 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 kingdoms, nobody pursued after them because God had did something before them and around them that they couldn't do themselves. Amen. The point there in your notes this morning is number two because it was dependent upon the first one intent is not action but number two is this action or we can even say obedience is necessary for god's work action is ne is is necessary for god's work or obedience is necessary for god's work for god to move for god to do there has to be action on our part now i'm going to get to to some disclaimers here in just a second because wait a second you said well, no 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 god doesn't need us to do anything for him to work just give me a second and we'll get through some of these scriptures and we'll address that in just a second but in jeremiah chapter 29 i want you to look at what it says in verse 4 read uh, several verses here it says thus saith the lord of hosts 
the God of Israel, unto all that were carried away captives. Again, this is the, the prophet uh, speaking unto the children of Israel who are now in bondage in Babylon. It says this, whom I have caused to be carried away. There you go, from, away from Jerusalem into Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters that they may increase there and, and, and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I've caused, whither I've caused you to be carried away captives and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners uh, that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to the dreams which you have caused to be, uh, which, which you caused to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name, and I, have not, and I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Again, there were false prophets in the land, there were uh, diviners, there were uh, works that were going on around them that wasn't of God. Similar to kind of what we're experiencing even as a people in this world today. Thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I'll visit you and I'll perform my good towards you in causing you to return to this place. Again, the children of Israel would be captive. They would be in a foreign land. They would be in a place that was not their ultimate home. Their ultimate home was in Israel, was, was, was in, there in, in Jerusalem with the capital, the, the place of God, the, the hill of Zion. This is where they were supposed to be. They were in this land they were not supposed to be. And God says, there's things around you, and you need to do everything you need to do to be who I've called you to be, even in that place, so that I can bring you to this place after 70 years. After 70 years, I'm going to perform my good towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Look what it says. Then shall you call upon me and shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me and find me. Look at this. When ye shall seek me, or search for me, with all your heart. God will be found. God will do these things. Okay, you, you do these things until I bring you to this place. And when I come back to visit you, to bring you to this place, I'm going to do good things to you. And you're going to find me. You're going to experience the closest with me when you do this. When you act, when you search for me with all your heart, and I'll be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and will gather you from all nations. Look, listen to what God's telling them. I will do something for you that you can't do for yourself. When you do what I'm telling you to do, I will do something that you could never do for yourself. I'll turn away your captivity and gather you from all nations and, when, and, and from all the places where I've driven you, saith the Lord, and will bring you again to the place where I caused you to be carried away captive. What an amazing promise of God. But listen to that promise again. When you, when you do this, then I will do this. The Bible is full of conditional promises. You can search it from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and, and there are conditional promises throughout the whole book. And I want to say this right now. The conditional promises of God is not a matter of manipulation. So if you don't have a, a right understanding of a relationship with God this morning and you're struggling with hearing something like that, well, I thought God is just love and he just does and he's supposed to be grace, gracious and, and he does all these things regardless of what we do. Listen, it's not a matter of manipulation. God's not saying, I will do this for you if you do this for me as a matter of, uh, again, of trying to, to manipulate things. But when we have a misunderstanding of who God is and who we are in relation to God, that's when we can get to that place. But when we have a right understanding of who God is and a right understanding of our standing with him, then when we hear something like God saying, when you do this, I will do this for you, then, you, then we come from this place. I don't deserve anything good in and of myself. I have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. I need his mercy and his grace every single day. I can't have a relationship with him if it weren't for his grace and his love to me. And so when he has given me this opportunity, it is an, a, a, an amazing privilege to do anything for God. It's not a matter of manipulation. It's a matter of privilege. Wow. In my sin state, God so loved me that he died for me. I don't deserve anything from the hand of God. 
but he gave in his grace and his love. And so it's not a matter of manipulation. Please listen to this. It's a matter of alignment. It's aligning our mind, our heart, our life with a holy God, which we can't do in ourselves because none, none of us are holy. But because the righteousness of Christ in our life, because of the grace of God, because of the mercy of God, because of the Holy Spirit, for those of us who are children of God, because of all those things, we can strive to be holy as He is holy. And we can strive to align our lives with Him, with His will. And that doesn't happen just by wishful thinking. That doesn't happen just like we talked about in last week's message, with good intent. We don't align with, with, with God's will and do His will just by saying, well, my heart's in it. I'm just not necessarily doing it. I think it's the right thing to do. I think it's a good thing to do. I, I, God knows my intention to do it. I'm just not doing it. Intention is not a substitute for action. And action is necessary for God to move. Action is necessary for God to move. Again, Bible full of uh, uh, conditional promises of God. We can look in the Old Testament. We look in the law, Leviticus. Uh, I love this. Leviticus chapter 26. It has seven, seven times there is an if ye. In other words, a conditional clause. If you will do this, then I will do this. Seven times. There's, there's a positive side and there's a negative side. Look in verse 3 and 4. Here's the positive side. If you walk in my statutes, if you walk in the way that I've commanded you and keep my commandments and obey them, do them, then I will give you. You see that? If you will do this, then the promise is I will give to you. I will do for you these things. And I want you to know you can take the time and read it maybe this afternoon or, 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 or over lunch or whatever you want to do later on today. Look at the next 13 verses in that. Or up, um, not 13 verses, up to, up to verse 13. You can look up to verse 13, and he goes on and on and on about all the things that God would do if they would obey. If they would do, God would do these things that they couldn't do for themselves. God would do for them. Again, it was dependent upon their action. It was dependent upon them doing what God had commanded them to do. But then you get to verse 14, and the tone changes. So again, you have one verse that says, if you'll obey my commands, if you'll keep what I've told you to do. Why, why is that so important? Because again, God's holy and we're not. His way is right, his way is good, and, and, and ours is not. And so when we line up, when we, not manipulation, but when we align with what is good and what is right, and we go that path of obedience to God, then we just go down the path of blessing and promise. So for 10 or 11 verses, it's full of promises of what God will do if they will do. But then you get to verse 14, and there's another condition, but it's the negative condition. It says this, but if you will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if, or if your soul abhor my judgments, so that you will not do, listen to this, so that you not do all my commandments. Remember that partial half-heartedness that we talked about a while ago? No, no, no. So if, you, you, if, if, my, if, if my commands are not right and you choose not to do all of them, but you break my covenant, I'll also do this to you. I will even appoint over you terror and consumption, the burning, a goo, and, and, and shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And you shall sow your seed in vain, and your enemies shall eat it. Wow. That sounds like a pretty empty life. You, hey, you can, you can try to do things your way, you can go your way, but the Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. There's a way that seems right unto men, but the end thereof are, is the way of death. You can go that way because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can continue to go the way of man, and it's going to cost you dearly. Or you can align your life with me, with every single one of my commands being good and life for you. You can do that, and when you do that, I will do things for you and, and, and your family that you can never do for yourself. But if you don't, 
You're going to spend a life of vanity. You're going to spend your wheels. You're going to toil. You're going to sow. You're going to try to be religious. You're going to call yourself a Christian. You're going to do all these things, and you're going to miss the point of it all, and you're going to be empty-handed at the end of it all, and it's going to be a miserable existence for the short time that you have on this earth. So that's the Old Testament. That's the law. They were just talking about covenant and... Let's go to the new covenant. The new, the, the new covenant in John chapter 15, three times there's a condition of promise that says, if you, look what it says in verse 7, if you abide in me, listen to this, and my words abide in you. Now, what does that mean? That means that you exist in them, that they exist in you. That, that's, the, that's the groundwork, that's the house, that's the tabernacle, that's, the, that's your whole life is in him and they in his word in you. Look what the promise is. You will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. I don't know about you, but I'm like, that's what I want. Not because of a genie. Not, not because, well, so all I got to do is I got to do all these things that God commanded me, and he's going to do everything I want him to do. Not like that. No, no, no. When we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, guess what becomes the desire of our heart? The will of God. And when we live in the will of God, and the will of God is the desire of our heart, the Bible says this, I believe in Psalm 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It doesn't mean that you, you, you check all these, these boxes of commands that you're supposed to do. Okay, God, I did everything I'm supposed to do. I did this, 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 this. Now I want a Corvette. It's not how it works. When, when you abide in Christ and you're walking with him, and man, his word is in you, and, 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 and you love him, and you love his word, and, and you want to do his will, and, and you're aligning your life with him, and you're going that way, then, then what begins to happen is, is what God desires and what God wants, and, and his will becomes such a passion in your life that you begin to pray for it. You may say, God, save my neighbor. God, please help your church grow in you. God, please help help our our leadership go strong in you and you begin to pray for god's will and guess what god starts doing he starts answering those things that are according to his will but you know what's so interesting go back and look at it again verse seven if you that's dependent upon us doing something if you you got to do it for God to do these things, for God to work and to answer those prayers the way that he wants to answer, the way that he wants to work in your life and the work in our life, the way that he wants to do these things that's dependent upon us taking action. And he goes on and says, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, that your life is increased and people are one to the Lord. And, and, and again, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love if you keep my commandments. Wait, this is the New Testament. This is the New Covenant. Well, why is he talking about commandments still? If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Isn't that so interesting? Again, another deception, a great deception in, in, in the New Testament today is because there is a, a far-right legalistic uh, uh, manipulation and abuse of what God's Word says. There's this legalistic side. So many people have kicked against the, uh, the truth, the middle, the, the, the Word of God, and, and, and swung to the liberal side. And, and have discounted and discarded the commands of God. When the complete liberal side, that side, is not right, just like that side's not right. Jesus came to this earth, lived a life that was a perfect example for us, and he says this, if you'll keep the commands that I've given you, like I've kept the commands that the Father's given, then this is what's going to happen. You'll abide in my love. And how, how did he say that the world would know that we are his disciples? If you have love one for another. And he goes on and says this, you are my friends, and here's another condition. If you do whatsoever I command you. Not a matter of manipulation, not a, not a matter of legalism. It's a matter of alignment. It's a matter of understanding who God is and aligning our lives as his children. 
Now, if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ in faith, you've never turned away from your sin and said, I trust that Jesus, his death on the cross, his resurrection is the only way for me to go to heaven and have this relationship with, with God the Father. If you've never turned and surrendered your life to Christ and, and received him as your Lord and confessed him as your Lord and received him as your Savior, if you've never done that before, then if you try to do all this, you're going to fail because you're going to do it in, in human effort and it's just works. My, my, my encouragement to you, if you're in that place, is to, this morning, surrender your life to the Lord. It's the only way that you'll receive eternal life. But for those of us who have, it's a matter of alignment. It is. You're my friends if you do whatsoever commanded you. His will is perfect, and his way is one. We're the ones that get off that right path. We're the ones that stray from being aligned with him. And that right path, don't mistake it, the right path is a path of complete obedience to God. That's what it is. We talked about um, intention last week. We talked about our military. We honored our military. And, and we talked about, I don't want anybody in our armed forces having like good intentions. I want them to have good actions, you know. I, I, when, when, it, when it comes to the rubber meeting the road in the battle, I don't want them to have to say, you know, well, um, I, I was, my heart was in it, you know. No, I want them to do what they were trained to do. Listen, we've got to make sure that we have the right path of obedience in our life. Not just an intention, not just, well, I, 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 I no, it's all in. We're on that path, we enter to those blessings that are promised of God and God alone. Now, here's what I said earlier. I don't want us to err in thinking that God doesn't move without our movement. And so what you've been saying is kind of the opposite. Here's the second part of that. I also don't want us to err in thinking that God will move without our movement either. He said, well, that's, that's two different things. I mean, how is that possible? How, how, can, we, how can we say, well, uh, God is not going to move on one hand, but he is going to move on the other. How can, how can you say this? How can you say that? God, we don't have to, uh, God doesn't need our movement to move and God needs our movement to move. Here's the reality. God has chosen to use people to accomplish his will. God's sovereign. He's all-powerful. All he, he, he can part the Red Sea, but, he, but he, he tells the man, put your staff in the water. Okay, I will act in faith and obedience. He does it. God does something that man himself cannot do. It's the similar thing in, in salvation. It's not, it's not something that we earn ourselves but it's not until we surrender and trust Jesus Christ that God does this redemption work in our life that we can't do ourselves. That's the, that's the path of faith. That's the life of faith. That's the journey in all of our lives once we have this relationship. I love Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, I set you apart before you were born. And the reason I, I want to share that is because Listen, God wants to use every single person in this room to accomplish his will. You say, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a missionary, I'm not a, I'm not a Sunday school teacher, I'm not a singer, I'm not this, I'm not Listen, no, you have life, you have breath, God wants to use you to accomplish his will. Again, I set you apart before you were born, I have a purpose for your life. I gave you life to live on this earth for my purpose. Moses, we consider him, could God have just released the Israelites? Could he have so tormented the, the, the nation of, of Egypt, that country? Could he have so tormented Pharaoh that, that he just, get out of here without using Moses? I say, sure. But the way that God has chose to, to work among man is with men. He chose to use Moses, and he taught so many lessons through that. Could God have seen that, is, that, that uh, I'm sorry, that Philistine giant 
defiling him in the middle of that valley? Could, could he have seen that, that blasphemer in the middle of that valley and said, you know what? Boom, strike him down. You know, lightning. I mean, what do you want? Fire and brimstone? <laughs> what do you want? I was striking him. God could have done it. But he chose to use this little shepherd boy who acted. He said, no, 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 you're not going to defile my God. No. Peter. Could Jesus, when Peter was like, I don't know, is that you, Lord? You know, he, he could have said, look, Peter, whoop. you know, he could have lifted, whoa, hey, he could have lifted him out of the boat. I mean, right? He, he could have because he raised the, the, the dead to life. He, he made withered arms grow. I mean, he made the lame to walk. Um, he, he, he could do anything. He's God. He could have said, uh, again, we, we see even uh, issues of translation, whether it was Enoch, he walked with God and, and he was not, or, or um, um, Philip, you know, he, he's translated. I mean, we, we can see God do things like that. He could have said, Peter, look, I'm about to do something amazing, blow your mind. Y'all get ready. Let's go, Peter. Woo. And Peter is like, oh, hey, I'm floating across the water, you know. And then dropped him in the water. Like, whoop, see, you need me. You know, he could have done that. <laughs> he says, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you. So what does he do? He said, come on. What did Peter have to do? Peter had to act. He had to step out of the boat and get onto the water. And then he did something that we don't know that anybody else has done since. He walked on water like Jesus. That's something that only God could do, but God did it when Peter acted in faith. He said, if it's you, tell me to come. And at his word, he said, come on. Well, he didn't say, come on. He said, you know, <laughs> let's go, go on. And he said something like that. And at the word of the Lord, he acted. And something miraculous happened in his life and has been talked about for over 2,000 years because of his obedience to his word, to his command. Paul he had to know what Jesus told him to do. And he had to do it. And he did it with risk of stoning, betrayal, hurt, thorn in the flesh, shipwreck, all kinds of things. He did it. And, and, and you know what? Because Paul acted in faith and obedience, Lord, what will you have me to do? That's what he said. He said, go, and I'm going to show you. And he did it. And God did something with Paul, who was a murderer, who was, an, uh, who was a persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ himself. God did something with Paul that Paul could have never done himself. He used the apostle Paul to radically turn the world, the known world, upside down for the kingdom of God. And even when scripture tells us to wait, which waiting is an action itself. It's not sitting like a bump on a log. It's actively engaging the Lord, trusting him, and anticipating the word to do something other than to wait. Faith is an action. It's not an idea. It's an action. It's not an intent. Faith works. It moves. It's a, it moves in action in accordance to God's word. James chapter 2, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man may say he hath faith and not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and if one of you say unto them, oh, you'll be all right, go ahead, leave us, you know, depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, hey, hope that you find a coat and some food, notwithstanding you don't give them the things that they're needful of in the body, what is a profit? What is that, you know? What, what is that when you see somebody has something and, and you say, oh yeah, go ahead and go your way. Even so faith, if it doesn't have works, it's dead, it's useless. Those are just words. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me your faith without thy works and I'll show you my faith by my works. That's the only way you can see it. How do you know that there's wind? Because of what it does. You can feel it, you can see it. Thou believest there's one God, that's good. But listen to this. All of the devils, all of the demons know that there's a God. And it causes them to tremble. They know it's true. 
They saw Jesus crucified. They saw him rise from the dead. But guess what? At the end of it all, when the beast and Satan and, and all of his demons are cast into the lake of fire, the second death, they're going too. Just because they believe that there's a God doesn't mean that they're going to go to heaven for all of eternity. And just like many people, hopefully not in here, but in this world today, they believe there's a God, they believe Jesus died, they believe he rose again, but they're just as lost as those demons because it's just a belief to them. There's a difference in saving faith and head knowledge and head faith. He said, look, here's the difference. But thou, but wilt thou, vain man, that faith without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar, right? Look, what do you want me to do? Take your son. Ah, it's in my heart to take my son. God, do I really need to take my son? No, take your son. What did he do? He took his son. Why? Because he trusted God. See, see how faith wrought his works and his works was made perfect. was faith made perfect by works. Faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God and imputed, it was imputed. It was deposited in his account righteousness and he was called the friend of God you see then how that by works a man is justified not by faith alone again he's not talking about that you can work for salvation he's talking about the type of faith that saves the type of faith that 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 that, that God is the scripture is talking about is a faith that is always associated with action because faith is an action not an idea Likewise, also unto Rahab, the harlot justified by works, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Last week, the question was, what's keeping you from serving God more or more passionately? What's keeping you? This week, what are you missing out on seeing God do in and through your life because you're not moving and acting in obedience. What are you missing out on? These blessings, these promises, these, these things that only God can do in and through your life? The, the, the things like, like keeping the enemy at bay, the, the, the things like striking terror in the enemy that would... would, would what are you missing out on? It's not just, well, I show up for church. No. The church is a body. We gather together for a worship service. Gather together to honor our Lord, to hear his commands together, to be challenged together, to be unified as that church, as that body. Listen, I don't want anybody in here to miss the great blessings of God. I don't want to miss them. Let's not be mistaken that, that we'll experience them any, in any other area except for in this path of obedience. I'm not saying that there won't be times of God's grace and mercy that we can't explain. Well, I, I, listen, the Bible says this, is loving kindness leads, leads the, uh, to, to repentance. I think that if you've been a Christian for any amount of time that you can attest to that. There have been times in your life that you haven't been where you're supposed to be and somehow God blesses you and his grace pours out, his, his mercy pours out and you are humbled to a place of saying, God, I'm so sorry. What have I been doing? I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I haven't been where I've, I should have been and I don't know why you're blessing me like this, but I'm so sorry for not living for you. Man, I wish I could only say that that's only happened once in my life. But it seems like it's happened over and over. Not exactly where I should be. And God just blessing in some way, some form or fashion. And then my heart breaking. I'm sorry, God. But to ride on that and expect that is foolish. When God says this, abide in me and let my words abide in you. Obey me, and you can ask whatever you want. Again, it'll be according to, you, to his will, and I'll do it. What, you, what are you missing out on? What action? What, what action and faith in God's word that, do you need to take today? What, what are you not doing right now that you know I need to, I need to do? 
I need to start doing this because I know I'm not. What are you not trusting God to do? What are you hesitant to obey God in? Big questions. They're serious. They're eternally serious questions. But what is it in your life right now that you're hesitating to obey in? You're holding back from? I want to say this. We won't get a do-over. We won't get a second chance. We all know what it's like to have seasons of our, li- uh, our lives uh, be gone, right? I look at some of the teens, look at some of the, the, the young uh, ones, and, and, and I think, man, I remember what it was like to be a teenager. That season's long gone. <laughs> some of you can, can look at your adult kids. You can look at your grandkids, and you can, you can think back to when your kids were as young as your grandkids. And you can say, man, that season's gone. Now my kids have kids of their own. We all know what it's like to have these seasons pass us by and not be able to go back and live them again. I've I've used sports illustrations many times because uh, that's what I did growing up. That's what I was into. And listen, I more than anybody know that my competitive sports days are over. They're gone. In my mind, they're not gone. In my life, they're gone. In my body, they're gone. I can't go back. I can't change. I can't redo. I can't replay. Not even one play, one game. I can't redo any of those things. I can't make my baby girls babies anymore. It's gone. It's over. All of our lives... Are a season. It's a season. We're here on this earth, but for a season. Please listen. One day for all of us, this world, this temporal world is going to be over. And when it does, when it ends for us, we can't go back. We can't redo it. We can't have a do-over. We can't go back and do it better than what we actually did it. So what we have now, right now, in these seats, on this day, in the days following that the Lord gives, is what we're supposed to redeem for his kingdom. For the glory of God. When you stand before him, when I stand before him, if we didn't give our all, I promise you this. We're going to wish with everything we had that we could have. To see our Lord who loved us, to see the, 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 the sacrifice, to understand it all once and for all, right? You, you, let, me, let me take you back again, humanly speaking. You know what it's like when that child's born, when that grandchild's born. You know what it's like when that, when that high school's finally over, young people. It's done. Whoa. It's over. You know what it's like for something to be over and to think back and say, man, I wish I would have lived more for the Lord. Or, I, I, man, maybe, maybe it's your grandparents. You have those grandkids. They become older kids. And you begin to ask your kids, are you sure you don't want to have another one? Listen, it's over. When this life is over, it'll be over. As I said earlier, think about this. I'm going to be done. God gave you life. Right now, you're in these seats. We're on this earth. It's all temporal. You have life. There tragically are millions of of babies, and somehow it works into the plan of God. I don't, not, not, it's not his will that they're murdered, but somehow God, uh, I don't know, some, some, it works somehow in his overall plan. But millions of babies have been murdered in the womb. 
There have been people that have been murdered. There have been people that have lost their lives at a, at a young age. There have been accidents. Kids gone. But all of us are in this place living alive on this earth. You have, you have life on this earth. You know what that means? You know what it makes me think? It makes me think of this verse. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. It makes me think of this, that he would have all men to be saved. I think back to Adam in the garden. What God wanted, what did he want there? He wanted to walk with his creation, his prized creation, and, and have this interaction that he couldn't have with the rest of the creation, this, this, this mutual connection with, with Adam and Eve. He wants that with us still, so much that he gave his son to pay for the, the damage that was done by man. He wants to walk with us. And, and once he has this relationship, guess what he wants us to do? He wants us to act. He wants us to walk by faith. He wants us to, to be obedient and helping bring others to him. Because there's countless multitudes of people that their lives are ending. And they're, they're waking up as soon as they close them. In this world, they're opening them up in an eternity of torment. I think there's something like 44,000 every day are dying. And if the broad path has many on it, there's a lot of people waking up in an eternal torment. Our jobs, our lives, lining up, acting in obedience with God's word, living a life pleasing to him, experiencing all the blessings and the promises, bringing others to him so they can have that too. Again, I, I want to encourage you this morning. Whether you need to remove idols or sin, something holding you back, or you, there's something you know that you're hesitating to obey in, let's make sure that we act. Action's necessary for God to move. Let's see what God will do when we align our lives like that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for, so much for the challenge and the conviction that you've brought to me over and over and over as of prepared for this sermon and even preaching it this morning. Thank you for uh, the correction that you bring in this, Lord. Thank you for uh, just being such a good father uh, to me, to us. And Lord, I pray that our response to your word in this message would be right. Lord, help us not to leave this place having sought to be entertained or, or to just fulfill some type of spiritual uh, obligation or go through some spiritual ritual. Lord, but I pray that this morning we have opened our lives up to your word and to your spirit and that we'll respond rightly to what has been spoken this morning. Lord, help us all to do that. Lord, again, if there's somebody here today that's not surrendered their life to you for salvation, I pray that they would move in this invitation. They'd come down, they would talk to somebody, and they would ask the question, what do I have to do to be saved? Lord, just move now, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.